how was Shequinox? <laughs> I felt like I should go to the steam room right before this just to really get my get myself in the flow. Get yourself in the flow for a first mm-hmm. gay. I was thinking about it. I'm story. ready. I'm ready for this question. Are you Shequinox? No, no. I I just went and I just steamed. I was really going to do a whole workout, but I got caught up caught talking to this guy who owned a coffee shop next door. Um <laughs> Anyway, it was fine. I just steamed, and you know what? You some guy. It was a. It's a mess in that steam room. Which one did you go to? This was the. Uh, you Gre- went to the one on Nineteenth Street, the ni- Greenwich one. No. Oh, you went to the one in Greenwich. Yeah. Oh, over here. Mm-hmm. Oh God, that's like. Yeah. That's like that. That should just be a pharmacy. They. <laughs> dole out they the re- gonorrhea medication. They really should. Now. They really should have those. When you go to gay bars and they have those shitty unbranded condoms. Yeah. In like the in like the Halloween like trick or treat. Here's yeah. some hideous condoms. They should put those in the steam room. Ugh. I mean, not ugh. I love it. I, I, I can't. Say- I I don't want to journey into this because I do my entire my entire stand up act is about the Equinox steam room. So, I love it. So I've always called it <laughs> Shequinox, but I think that's because gay men always like to just relabel all the gyms they go to. Like David Barton Gym was Dolly Parton Gym. Oh, I love that. There's Better Bodies was Bitter Bottoms. Okay. And then we had American Fitness was Mary Can You Lift This? I like, I like, <laughs> okay. Really? That's like a... <laughs> that's what they used to do. They used to change all the names and be like, oh, girl, you going to Mary Can You Lift This? The, honestly, you the, do go to a the politics, very gay gym. Though. Well, I, it, it's so funny. What I was going to tell is the the products are just so much better. The I mean, I don't even use the creams and stuff, but the towels are always nicely laid out. Do you take any of the towels? All the towels in my home are from Equinox, <laughs> but that's like four. It's so funny because I'm so I'm so like disorganized that like I I'm fully comfortable taking a few. T- I've been going to Equinox for like. Do they get? Do they like, check your bags? They don't, they don't check your bags check, when you. What is it? An airport? No. <laughs> Are you kidding me? They they nail down the the Kiehl's lotion though to the that's it's yeah it's drilled into the wall. Are you serious? Yeah, and guys will take guys will bring um, vessels. They'll bring bottles and pump it into like from their, the container into, store into their bottles. It's shocking. <laughs> this guy came up to me surprised. today and was asking me. He goes, "Where's the facial fuel?" Just like asking me where the like. I was like, isn't it right there? And he goes, no, no, that's the body cream. Where's the facial fuel? And I'm like, sweetheart, you are asking the wrong, <laughs> the wrong fucking guy. Some other guy chimes in. It's at the front. Like if they, it's just, it's, I'm not meant it's to a be system. there. It's a system. But let me ask you something though. Why Equinox out of all gyms? What is, is it the products? No. Is I, it the proximity to where you live? Because you actually look it's, closer to It's just to because I'm gyms. spoiled. No, no, no. Because like once you start sho- once you embrace the lifestyle of showering in the gym, you can't shower in a lesser good. It look if I'm traveling and I'm in for work or whatever, I'll use any shitty gym. I'm happy in any shitty gym. I don't care. It's just the steam room and it, this. I would only. I can only steam at an Equinox. That. <laughs> Please cut that out. <laughs> oh no, I'm keeping that. But wait, wait, wait. So is it because what what is it like two fifty a month? Is this what this is really going to be? No, no, no. But this I'm is asking the... you, is it two fifty a month? I, you fucking went. You've talked to the, the the counselors there. Well, some people pay different prices because they they get like corporate discounts and things. So I didn't know if you like maybe got a corporate discount. Or I don't something. get a corporate discount. I, I have no. I think I'm paying like two thirteen because I'm grandfathered in. I'm granddaddy. Two hundred thirteen dollars a month mm-hmm. 
for all access, baby. All That's the benefit of Equinox is that I am such a disorganized mess. I can run around the city and anywhere I am, I can stop in for a shower and a schwitz. Who else, you know? And I know a lot of gay men that do that. You know, Temple is cheaper and they've got a shower and a schwitz. A schwa- I don't know what that, but that's Temple is right next to you. You have to go down so many stairs to get yeah, to the steam do. room. <laughs> And also, the steam room uh, at Temple is that old David Gross. Barton steam, and it and it's bumpy on the floor. And I'll tell you why it's bumpy, so that you can cream on it and you can not slip, so that that they creates wells of semen. And it's it I can't. I, that's too. I've been in that steam room, but it's it's too much. It's too much for me there. It just feels like a dungeon in that one. Do you have something to tell me, Dan? <laughs> no, but no, 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 no. I I've been. I've never. I never. I I toured at David Barton because I lived above it. I've gotten to the point now where as long as my upper body is larger than my waistline, I'm happy. But that's good. That's, you know, I don't have broad shoulders. You do. I don't have I broad don't shoulders. I don't think you see it, though. I don't have broad shoulders. I have narrow. I, I don't think narrow... you don't see yourself from the back. So when you but walk. But your shoulders are not different from the back than they are from the front. I think Every you time... see yourself differently. Of course. Well, of yeah, course. I see you as like, you know, statuesque and like I... you've got broad shoulders mm-hmm. and like, you know. You're not yeah. very good with compliments, and I've realized that. Yeah, well, I'm okay. Thank you. I'm a, I'm a beautiful man. No, you are a I'm very good-looking yeah. good person. I told my brother the other day that I feel like it on anyone's ranking, I think I could range. If someone was to rank me out of 10, I think that like the <clears throat> the spectrum would be anywhere from like a 6, a, a 5.5 to like an 8.5. And he just goes... You think someone would give you an 8.5? <laughs> Your brother said that to you? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I think. All right. Look, well, I, charm, I charm people with the mind, all right? Not the body. Speaking of charmings of the mind, mm-hmm. my guest for this episode of Oh, Oscar Today is a very good friend of mine. We met about two years ago. He's a comedian. He's a, He produces shows all over the city. He's also a Emmy-nominated... Loser, yeah. N- Emmy-nominated video producer for Eater... Mm-hmm. And he works at Vox. Please welcome Dan Janine. Uh, hey, everyone. Thank you. That... <laughs> you know, I would love to see what your acceptance speech is going to be like. I feel like you're going to go up on stage. You're going to be like, thanks. And then you're going to get off the stage. I would if I really was nominated for like a real award where I was going to go on stage. Oh, I... so Emmys aren't real awards? No, 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 no. no. But one where I would. <laughs> you bitch. One where I would like go up on stage and receive. I would workshop it at Mike's. I would get that five. I would get that three or whatever. So perfect. I would not take it. I would not be emotional. I would fucking try to murder. I would murder. I would try to murder. I would go to all. I would call. I would go to all the mics. You would practice a three yeah. minute. Yeah. 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 I would want the perfect jokes for it. I'd but call, you know what, though? I feel like people who don't then you know think what? they're going to win. I could clip it. Yeah. Go and on. And then the. Oh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I feel like the people who don't think they're going to win. And then all of a sudden they win, are still like, but they've prepped, they've like, they've prepared themselves, mm-hmm. are still like, oh, I don't, I don't know what to do. Oh my gosh, I'm, I'm like, I'm speechless. That's why you'd, that's why you'd run it. That's why you'd run it. You'd be ready. You'd be on autopilot. I mean, I guess you'd be on autopilot. It's always fun too when comedians win other things, because their acceptance speeches are so much better. 
You think so? Yeah, because the whole thing, I, I really think so much of comedy, so much of beginning comedy is just being more and more comfortable on stage. And the more the more comfortable you are, the, you know, the better you, the more you can be yourself. So if you've been on stage 10,000 times, it's it's less weird accepting an award. Yeah, that's true. I guess that's true. Yeah. That's also, true. if I lost and I had the whole thing ready, I'd still put it online. <laughs> I would just say this is what I would have. I would just, I would do it. I'd, I'd record it at some club and just put it on Instagram. <laughs> All right. Let me, let me ask you. Okay. So you're from Toronto, Canada. You moved here 10 years ago. Did you start stand-up comedy in Toronto or oh did you God, start no. it here? I started like four years ago. Four okay. Um, I originally came to the States because, this is a long story, but my mother, who's wonderful, um, always wanted to do something like impressive academically. And she got into these amazing programs um, and her parents wouldn't let her go because that's, you know, a, a five hour podcast. But basically they, you know, they were very controlling. She had uh -huh. these amazing like full rides to these legendary schools. And they were like, now you'll stay in Toronto. Um, you'll stay and you'll live at home until you're married. Uh, <clears throat> so I was a shit student, right? Like not, you know, but of course I was going to live her academic dream. So she's like, you're going to America. You're going to go to America because Canada is too small for you. And now I know like she was right. I mean, it was great, but like she was, you know, she was sort of doing it. For, she was talking to herself a little bit. Right. She was like. I'm not going to make you stay home. And I was like, I didn't think you were going to make me, you know, stay home. So I, I went for her here and I always loved comedy stuff, but stand up. And I loved comedy stuff more because it was the thing that I was most afraid of. You know, I had the same thing that everyone does where like I, I would crack the good jokes at the dinner table. Right. But I am horrified of getting on stage. Horrified, still horrified. Really? And I really tried to, I think I probably... I, I don't know if I read the rock quote where it was like, always do the things that you're afraid of. Yeah. But I really tried to always push myself to do the things I was afraid of. Um, and stand up was number is number one. Still, still I was, I can think of all the scariest things in the world. And I was and the first time I did an open mic is still scarier than all those things. Really? Mm -hmm. Is it even now it fluctuates? Like even now, if I know I'm going next at a mic, even now, sometimes I'll be like, my heart will just go crazy. I think there is something to be said about that because it keeps you on your toes. I think people always need to stay nervous just a little bit before they go on stage, mm -hmm. whether at a show or anywhere, because that kind of gives you that drive to not get out there and think you could just do whatever. I mean, obviously, when you get on stage, you want to look like you own the stage, of course. right? Yeah. But deep down inside, you're terrified because every minute of silence is a minute that you think that you are bombing. And so it's yeah. very, very hard to control the fear, but then also exude the confidence like you know what mm -hmm. you're doing. Another issue for me was like, I, I'm not organized really, really. So like, I never really know what I'm going to do. I never know what I'm going to do on stage. I have some tricks. One of my first bosses, who was one of the people who convinced me to do stand up, um, told me that if you get nervous, that it's good to do an impression or a voice in your first minute. Because if you do something, if you do something that's sort of affected, it, it, it breaks you out of your fear a little bit. So well, like, that's interesting. Yeah. Give me an example. <clears throat> like, give me an example of when you've done that. I always do. I mean, I do this this joke about how this girl. This is, I mean, it's a true story. How I was trying to get by, uh, hit on a girl at a bar 
in Jersey, and I just do this like insane Jersey voice. So isn't that good? Oh, where she was like, but she's but like, I, know I, I heard your voice from the other side of the room. Okay, because the thing is, like, you do that, and you're not, you can't really be yourself. You have to break out. You, it's right. hard to go on autopilot. But if I had like some guys are, we're both horrible at this. But some guys uh, have like, they're like, how many minutes am I doing? Ten. Okay, I know exactly what I'm going to do for the ten. I. If I was more like that, I wouldn't be as nervous. The, I'm a little more nervous because I think I throw. My, I, I'm just like I don't know what's gonna happen. But real quick though, what was the drive to actually pursue comedy? Was there is was there an end goal that you wanted? Was there mm. something that you wanted to prove to yourself? Yeah. Was there for sure a reason that there was a follow through, even though it terrified you? I wonder if yours is the same. For me, it's just like I think I have a natural ability with it, but it was really like. Um, it's really that I had just never done anything to completion, you know, like I'd never not that there's any completion, but I'd, it's just that I'd never I, I, you know, I took martial arts and I took piano and I took and I cooked and I never I never I've never known what it's like. I mean, I guess in work, but it's just it doesn't feel the same. Uh, I've never known what it's like to really, really improve at something and to really like really throw myself into something. And so I started doing it and then I was just like, well, that's it then. I think how you and I are similar mm -hmm. is that we both suffer from ADHD. Sure. Yeah. And the ADHD complicates the ability to actually follow through and complete things. And so what happens mm -hmm. is the same with you is that, you know, I've done, I've played the flute. I was in theater. I was going to do a t-shirt company. I was going to do this. And I never really followed through with anything. And then finally I was like, you know what? I'm going to do it. Mm -hmm. I'm going to, you know, it's like now or never. And one of my favorite quotes is showbiz waits for no one. And it's one of those things where it's like, it, you just got to do it. And I think there is a part of that where like I need to prove to myself mm -hmm. that I can actually follow through with something. And that's one of the big things with the podcast as well is that it is something that I have to prove to myself that, yes, I can do this, even yeah. though I've, I love doing it. But I have it's to. It's a bitch, though. It's, it's a bitch. A bitch yeah. But I have to. I have to prove to myself that you know what? No, I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to just be like whatever. I'm done. I'm over it. I actually have to push through. <laughs> yeah. Now I feel like a stand up. I just have no choice because it's like all I've done for a while. But it's great. <clears throat> oh no no! I'm not. Talk I just mean yeah. like I'm lucky enough that I feel like I'm past the the point of no return. Yeah. Um, you are. So. But I do feel like that there is something I think I think as I got older, I started to understand like the ways in which the ways the, the tricks I could use to actually get things done. And for me and for me, like uh, deadlines, I mean, obviously, this is no one needs to hear this, but like deadlines make things easy for me. And the thing that works so well for me about stand up is that there is a real deadline, like no matter what you have to go to the show, right? Like writing a Deadlines script- Deadlines work for writing a people script, with ADHD. Yeah, absolutely. Writing a script sucks unless, like if some big producer called me and they're like, I want a movie by in a month, I'd, you know, I'd get it done. Yeah. But like just write, sitting at home and fucking writing a movie blows. Oh yeah, because you're like, oh, I, I, because the problem is the time is infinite. If you go up on stage, you have to be there at that time. There is no choice. You can't be late. Right. Um, although a lot of people are. <laughs> but- <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, and uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, you have no choice. You have to just do it. So for people that struggle with uh, an inability to like 
to to be i guess self-activating yeah stand-up is great i think like you know in a way like marathons are great for that too like things where you sort of like give yourself a a, a no excuses moment and you can go up on a stand-up show having not done stand-up for two weeks and you know you might do okay but um so much of my best writing comes sitting in the back an hour before I'm going up, just like on of, my phone. A lot of my... Uh, and actually, my best writing happens in the steam room, but I, you can ask me about well, that. Well, I will say this. A lot of my stuff comes out of me in the shower Yeah, and just thinking off the cuff. So a lot of people say that, right? Like, oh, I think of my best ideas in the shower. And my perspective on that is instead of thinking I need to figure out how to be good at my desk... Right. It's like, how do I spend I, I spend, how do you spend more time in the shower? Right. Like I know. And this is I, I, I joke about the steam room a lot. But the fact that you're in the steam room and I have no pressure to write and I have nothing I can do. I'm just sitting there. That's for me. The steam room is an extended shower. Right. Like walking around outside without my phone when I have no opportunity to write things down. Yeah. It's the pressure of having to do a thing that makes it difficult for me to do the thing. So if I remove the pressure of actually being able to write and I walk around or I just sit in the steam room and I don't have a notepad, that that actually is 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 when I my creative juices flow. So it's actually ridiculous. I always tell this to people. People are like, oh, I only come up with things in the shower. Then fucking spend more time in the shower. I I spend a good I mean, not in California, you know, because right. of the water, but here, move to New York. I guess our water's probably just as bad. I don't mean quality, I mean quantity. There's oh, okay, a lot yeah. yeah. No, but I will say I spend a lot of time in the shower and I actually had to buy a notepad and a, and a, and a dry eraser, like a, a waterproof. Like a, yeah, it was like a waterproof notepad and pen. Ask me how many times I used it. How many times you used your waterproof notepad? Two. Okay, well, that's better than zero. It better than zero. But then I realized I would try and write things down. I'd be like, no, I'm not. I'm not. Uh, yeah, no. And then because once I get into my head and I start thinking, I'm like, Oh yeah, I'm not leaving. I gotta keep going. I gotta keep going. Cause if I mm. if I if I do something, no, to but distract see, you're giving myself, yourself the opportunity to write, which is a, which is which is at, at the core uh, inherent, like which is the counterproductive to what we're talking to the shower thoughts. Yeah. Shower thoughts are when there's no opportunity. I could do a whole, you know, I I've had friends ask. I could do a whole thing about like how to work well with ADD. My friend asked me to like put together. I never did it, but. Um, <laughs> <laughs> But you know, I just. <laughs> but I'm getting. I'm gonna get to it. <laughs> <laughs> you sure, saw. If that isn't the definition of ADHD, uh, all right. I'm glad we got to cover your background in stand-up comedy. We're gonna move on to the main portion of the podcast where mm -hmm. I get to ask my guests what their first gay experience Oof. was. So, Dan Janine, what was your first gay experience? I actually thought about this in the steam room ahead of time. I, Perfect place to do it. Probably this podcast, to be honest. Um, <laughs> I hate you so much. I think... Well, so I, I, I'll i tell you honestly... Remember, it doesn't have to be sexual. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I'll tell you my first... I'll tell you... I, I've really been thinking about this recently. I, my, um, I, my parents, my dad especially... My mom would not really think about this, but my dad was just rightly a hundred percent sure that i was gay 100 percent. i will tell so i was like a very flamboyant 10 11 year old uh -huh. and my dad was 
it's so funny we don't even use this word anymore but at the time he was very much called like a metrosexual yeah Yeah, Uh, we don't use that word that much anymore yeah yeah but he you know because he had a car dealership but he was very flashy he had all the nice like his closet was bigger than my mom's yeah um i mean because he had to be in it but um I'm just, but no, for real. And I remember he was like really into Italian designers and stuff. He would always like when I, he would always tell me about, oh, like you see the hemming on that clothes. Like that's yeah. how you know that's a nice, so you know, that's not like Chazarai. That's not like a knockoff. Yeah. You'd be like the way that's tailored. And I, but I, I got it. I loved, and I was, I was kind of insecure. So I loved having, I loved having like fancy things for some reason. I don't know why, because I'm so not like this anymore, but I loved having fancy shit because it made me feel, made me feel like, I don't know, like it made me feel well, like relevant. Did it fill a void? (laughs) Yeah, I think so. I think it's just like, I think I just loved things. I think I loved things. But I remember I was 10, 11 years old. I remember this one shirt. I, I, I would love to find you a picture of it. I, my, I, my dad would bring me to these fancy Italian stores and I remember I was chubby. I was probably, you know, I was actually fat at this point and I really, I bought this spandex Versace, um, polo shirt with like gold scissors on it. And I had this big gold Versace belt with like the big face. Yeah. And I mean, and I wore a, a purse like a man, I had two cameras in like a sling before those were considered dope. Um, and I just, I mean, you know, and he, he kind of got a kick. I mean, he kind of got a kick out of it, right? Like he's, he was just like, Oh my, my son's gay. Like, uh, he's a theater boy. I was in all the musicals. I was singing and I just never talked about girls with him at all because he was so vocal. He was so open with me and honest about girls and stuff. I, I talk, I'm working on a joke about this, but that it just made me uncomfortable. I didn't want to talk about girls. I never thought I was gay, but I never did anything. I was very, everything I did was very, you know, and I remember like I came home from college. The first, I never introduced them to a girlfriend. I was never dating anyone. The first person that I ever brought home was my best friend at the time. This guy named Kevin Patnode. And I brought him to Passover dinner. Wonderful man. He's in Turkey now, actually, uh, as a famous bartender. Uh, and I remember the only thing my dad ever said, we got home from Passover. And my dad just goes, am I making up one bed or two? And <laughs> I mean that's yeah my aunt called me the next day yeah my aunt called me the next day and she goes your father would never say anything but we're very proud of you and I was like what are you talking about I don't have no idea what you're talking about but I just really never I never I never did anything to you know and Kevin was sure I'm sure Kevin like talked about them behind their back it's amazing yeah anyway the fact that I will say this I actually think you got a little bit of your father's like quick wit. <laughs> you did. He wasn't even joking really. He was just trying to make it smooth for me. Like he was But in a but, way yeah. I he had that quick wit and I think that's something you inherited from him mm-hmm. because yeah. you've got that ability to kind of just have this Drizing, straight pan face, drizing. Yeah, and then like completely. But the thing is, with you, you just crack up afterwards. <laughs> it, it was really. I mean, you know, more power. He really didn't give a fuck. Like I think my dad liked. He 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 was into models and stuff like that. So he, I think he would have. You know, he died whatever six seven years. Ago. I think he would have like he. 
he would have gotten a kick if I dated like some super hottie or something like he would it would have pumped him up yeah but he just you know he he wouldn't he, he couldn't care less about anything like that he just wanted happy like happiness live fun life that's all that mattered um but yeah it's amazing uh he always he, he fucked me up too because like he would always talk about he was so funny i mean he, he would always talk about like women's plastic surgery and stuff like that like oh you see like cheryl not not a good job she had done there and and then i would be like dad she's had a lot of botox and he goes that is rude don't fucking say that and i'm like you just fucking said that you know but i think there's a decorum to saying it. i know and i didn't have it yet i'd be like she's a fucking puff face you know yeah <laughs> Well, you like now. My thing is like mm. it's about decorum, and so instead of being like rude and like saying, "Oh, look at that person's <laughs> outfit," I'll mm-hmm. just look at them and be like, "That was a commitment." That was a commitment. Yeah, that is a commitment because it's my way of not being a bitch, but also being able to be a bitch. Yeah. yeah. So, like, I think it's like there's a. <laughs> I think your father had that that really good decorum. He was very tight with it. Yeah. He also, I think, he knew he was a bitch, but he didn't want to raise me as a bitch. Also, you know what I mean? Like, but I think you kind of did. <laughs> no, he didn't. He flunked that one. Yeah. Yeah. He didn't do well at that you, one. You, you definitely got a little bit of a, <laughs> a, yeah, a no, bitchiness I'm, in you. But it was really, I to this day, I'm sure my aunt, I mean, they've just truly, these people have never. Do they, do they still bring that up? Do they think anything of it? Know. I don't know. I'm very, I'm, uh, you know, anytime I'm even, anytime I even kiss, I mean, I don't know. I don't think so. But have I, you like brought or (laughs) have you brought or discussed girls with your mom yeah yeah and i was really i was really torn up about a girl a couple years ago and so my mom's seen me be like but she would never if the thing is with my mom if i was like like my mom would never my mom just wouldn't question anything right if i was just like she decided that I was straight from a young age, and so it would never, it would never occur to her, right? Like I could be doing the the gayest shit, and she would just be like, until if he tells me he's straight, he's straight. Like she wouldn't, it wouldn't. My dad was just like more of a detective, you know. He'd be like, what, you know, what's going on here? Oh, yeah. But That's so interesting. Mm-hmm. That is so interesting. <laughs> Now, does your family, like, real quick, though, uh, uh-huh. does your extended family, like your aunts and uncles, are they still... I Well, the th- I don't know. I mean, this is maybe just in my head, but every time I... Specifically that aunt, who I'm close with, anytime I tell her about a girl or anything, like, oh, she's like, you're dating someone? I was like, yeah, I'm dating this girl. And she'll be like, ah. you know, like, I don't think... <laughs> I think she still thinks I'm putting on a show. <laughs> I fucking more power. Like, she's... I don't know if I can say this, but I feel like your family has like betting. Yeah, they like there's there's like bet going on somewhere behind the scenes on this one, and they're like, "All right, I got I got a hundred on this one." <laughs> yeah, they I I, I just I haven't done absolutely that. no. I haven't done anything to prove them wrong or right yet. That no, it'd bets, be kind of a funny no bet bets to talk about cashed. though on stage, right? It'd I want to tell that story bit. about my dad and saying the beds thing. I think that I think it's funny. I um, think the I think it's a. That is a great just like punchline <laughs> if you were to use it, yeah. you know, sometimes comedy just writes itself. It was just really that he truly didn't care. Right. And he was just like, I don't know why he never asked, you know, because he would have been the kind of guy who'd be like, you know, so what's, you know, what's, what's butt sex like? Like he would never have. 
But that's interesting, though. I think that it's really cool that your family was just like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. You know? It's interesting because my dad's dad was a Freudian (laughs) psychiatrist. Which, which means that like everything was for a reason from something, right? Yeah. Like, so my dad really wanted to not be anything like that. So he would just be like, whatever it is, it is. I, there's no reasons for anything. And my mom's side was so sort of like straight edge, Holocaust survivors. It has to be exactly, you know, like we need to be hyper conservative. You can only live in the shadows. So she wanted to be opposite of that. So no one just gave a fuck about anything. You know, like... Uh, I, yeah. I could have done the most crazy, ultra, ultra sexually progressive things at like seven years old. Dan, thank you so much for sharing your first gay experience story. That was actually a phenomenal story. I really appreciate that. Um, we're going to move on to our next segment, which is called Dicks Appointed, <laughs> where my guests get to tell a wild, crazy Possibly embarrassing hookup story. Oh, Jesus. So, Dan, do you have a disappointed uh, story? Um, well, Mom, if you're watching this, you got to turn off now. <laughs> uh, do I have a disappointed story? I mean, every I've never had a, a dick-sa-pleasing story. Well, have you had a story that's like... It doesn't have to necessarily include your penis. But, like, is it... Well, they is, rarely do. Uh, <laughs> Is there a story where you're like, that was some crazy shit? <laughs> no, see, the thing is, I'm such a prude. Like, I'm so interested in everyone else's, like, crazy, wild sex stuff. And, like, at core, I'm quite prudish. I, uh... <laughs> I mean, I didn't, you know, I don't know. I didn't, I really, like, I, I didn't lose my virginity till 21-ish, 21, 22. Okay. I mean, yeah. I didn't lose my virginity until I was 29. Really? Oh, yeah. yeah. You told me that. Yeah, that's a lot. Um, you made up for it, though, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, George. Um, I, uh... <laughs> no, I mean, look, I, I don't know. I, 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 again, and this is something I've been trying to talk about recently, but I, no, I don't fucking know. I don't, I don't really have any, I don't, I, I, uh, sex, I, it's, I mean, this is, are you awkward around sex? Oh, yeah. I, well, I certainly don't talk about it at all. I certainly don't. I've never, you know, I always use weird words for it. I'm always like, like I never, like I can't, I'm not comfortable. I'm not, what's the thing is I'm not very direct, right? Like I don't, I only like joking around. (laughs) I mean, you hear, like my friend was telling me last night about uh, like some steam, some steam stuff. I was getting some steam stories and just like the, the things people are able to say to each other sober. I mean, not gay, like everyone, it just, I can't, I can't even talk. I can't talk to anyone about anything real ever. Don't like it. So I don't, I don't, you know, what is it? Do you hide behind something? I don't consider myself like, I don't see, I, you know, I can go into that mode, but I just don't consider myself like a sexual. Do you think it's uncouth? No, I don't care about that. I don't care about that at all. I think it's more just that I don't, um, I don't think I, I, I sort of associate being like sexual with a certain kind of alpha, that I whatever that is I really feel like I don't have so I sort of have to like go into video game character mode if I'm like if I'm if I'm ever I'm never in the moment I'm never just like have I have no animalistic urges like I'm not really yeah I'm never like you know like I don't I have nothing nothing like that so like would you say you're very passe in the bedroom I would say that um 
I would say thing. that I would say that uh, I'm a better. I'm better. You know, put a couple, put a couple drinks in me. I'm I'm more. Uh, I'm more open, and I can be a little more forward. Do you feel like I don't even like telling people that they look I don't like telling girls that they they're you know like oh, you never tell me I have a you don't ever comment on my outfit I'm like yeah it's great it's I I'll, I'll always I, I'm like you know, you're seemingly dressed appropriately for the weather like I don't <laughs> like I don't like I've never I could never been like you look hot like I could not I mean even saying that now just bleh. do you think there's an anxiety behind it it just doesn't feel like me, you know. It just doesn't. It just doesn't feel like me. Do you feel I suppose like what I'm saying is I'm disappointing everyone. I'm disappointing this segment. <laughs> Do you? Have, I don't know why I was thinking. We're gonna about this. move on to the next. Portion, I can set but... up. I could set up speaker. You know, if I'm like setting up speakers or XLR cords, I'm like that goes in the top, right? But if in sex, it would never. That goes in the. I don't know. Wherever, whichever hole you want to. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Well, that was a very interesting version of Disappointed, but it's still. Will you rate? How is this stack up against the other ones? Well, I mean, I will say, you know, it's very it's an Dan. interesting take on Disappointed. Mm -hmm. We're gonna move on to the next portion of Oh Oscar, and that is the Gady HD Wheel of Q and A's. So what you're going to do is you're going to spin. We're going to answer two or three questions. So go ahead and take a spin. For real? All yes, right. Dan. Oh, it spins so well. I know, right? What'd I get? Ooh, Dan, what would you title your autobiography? Uh, I mean, probably. It's just my favorite word, but probably nudnik. Nudnik. I don't know if anyone else has done that, which just means it's like a <laughs> Yiddish word. It just means like annoying. <laughs> I have had 21 people on this podcast, and yeah. no one has said that, so you're safe. Well, I wasn't worried about someone on this podcast saying it. I was just... Oh, you meant in general. I just feel like it's a cliche for me, because I always call myself a nudnik, but I think it would be nudnik. But how, what define what nudnik is. Like, like, like look, it's your house. I don't want to tell you what to do with your air conditioning, but like, if, if you wouldn't mind turning it down like a little bit, but I, if you want to, I can put, I can take my sweater off. Like to, you mean passive aggressive? Yeah, it's a good thing you weren't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Spin it again. How is that? Fine. Great. Great. Oh, what's a guilty song pleasure that you like to listen to that you would get made fun of if people heard the song? Uh, I really do like show tunes a lot. <laughs> And I hate that you're laughing at that, but I really, and I'll like dance to, sh I'll like get into show tunes like their dance music. I have a certain feeling of show tunes. That's why the gay community doesn't, doesn't <laughs> that's why they don't book me on their show. That's why they don't book you. <laughs> yeah. That's why you're not getting, that's why you're not getting booked because like, I don't, I don't have the thing where I'm not like, I don't know the different players and like, I don't know who the best on Broadway is right now. Um, oh, I don't. No, I just mean like some people are very, have encyclopedic knowledge of different show tunes. I'm not yeah. like that, but there are certain ones that I just, I just love. I love those. I love like sort of Broadway theatrical chord changes. I think that that is, 
anytime I hear them in dance music, I, ugh, you know. I remember I one of my things that I remembered the most was cats. <laughs> yeah, because that's the only because I remember the uh, memory song. It's a, yeah, yeah. She's like, touch me <laughs> if you want. It's so funny. I think yeah. that I think that your wherever you are, sort of in pop culture, influences these things so much. Like I can't take cats seriously now because of that movie. Yeah. But, oh yeah, that one with Ju- Judy Dench. Yeah, oh, my yeah. God, <laughs> there should have been a, a vet on that set. Yeah, there should have been, yeah, should have of... been a vet on that set with a mm-hmm. euthanasia, <laughs> euthanizing, yeah, seriously, needle. I love you, Dan. Uh, thanks so much for coming on. Oh, Oscar, I really appreciate it. Where can folks find you? Oh, the, the uh, clubs and colleges around New York City. <laughs> You can find Dan on Instagram at Daniel Janine. He's also on TikTok. Ah, I just at, started. At Daniel Janine too. People right? seem to like my videos, but no one seems to want to, you know, whatever. Anyway, thank you for watching. I love You'll be Oscar. Fine. He's, you, can you can also find catch him. him all over the city and in the low self-esteem room oh, at Chiquidon. YouTube.com slash eater. There you go. YouTube.com slash eater. Thanks all for uh, listening, and uh, I will see you guys next weekend. <laughs>